Hello and welcome back to the first episode of season two of Astro Vibes. This is an astrology podcast where I get down to the nerdy dirty details of this ancient language and sometimes about you. This show is for anyone who's interested in learning more about astrology from BB Astro Nerd to the deliciously seasoned Astro Nerd. My goal is to help you understand your birth chart and to use it as a tool for growth and self-love and it's also I want to help you laugh because laughing is good and life is too short. I am your host, Carolina Cormac Orellana, and you can call me Caro. I'm a Western astrologer that uses the tropical zodiac and whole sign houses, and I write and perform this podcast in collaboration with Ambient Vibes Music, a platform that seeks to uplift musicians and other artists. Audio and music editing are all done by the wonderful co-founder Anne-Marie Jimenez, so thank you Anne-Marie. I love the music. It goes like this. <laughs> bloop, bloop. I wonder what that sounds like with the song in the background. Anyway, I'll hear it. (laughs) Here I am, you guys. I'm back. I'm being silly. I'm so excited to talk to this microphone. Damn. Um, So anyway, I'm so excited, like I'm saying, to be sharing this next batch of episodes with you. I bake them with love. And last season, we explored astrology basics, the rising signs, and we're going to complete those today with Virgo and Pisces. So my bad for making you wait this long, especially for Pisces, who's always last at everything. Um, but it's going to be a really good episode because I know how to do it by now. We also learned a little bit about transits, and we heard an extra special episode with the co-founders of Ambient Vibes Music. What can I say? It's been a great time. If you haven't listened to our previous season, I highly recommend it as a foundation for what I'll talk about in the next several episodes. Also, it was an absolute gem, I feel. This season, we'll be expanding our knowledge to lots of different topics like the moon and the different moon signs, the astrology of creativity, which I'm hype about, and then I'm going to interview people from the ambient vibes community about the creativity in their chart and how they how it manifests for them so that'll be really cool i'm also going to start talking more about the current moon cycles happening um, at the time of the podcast release and also like other transits that are going on because i really love predictive astrology and transits and stuff so i feel like we're ready to move in that direction together i hope Alright, a couple more housekeeping things before we officially start today's show. Um, First, as usual, I like to tell you I'm a practicing astrologer, and that means that you can book an astrology reading with me, and I do sun, moon, and rising readings, birth chart analyses, solar return readings, and more. It's a really good way to support me, financially, and emotionally, (laughs) if if you've been liking the show, and I would love to get to know you better second. There are now two ways that you can do this. So as always, you can go to my Calendly page, which is in the show notes. And now you can also go to ambientvibesmusic.com and click on the Astro Vibes page. And there you can book with me. You can see all our episodes. You can generate your own birth chart. You can buy Astro Vibes merch, which is awesome. It's really cool looking. Um, yes. And then last but not least, there's a Q&A box. 
So a place where you can ask me your questions and get your answers on the show. And so I want to make a Q&A episode happen really bad. And moral of the story is, please go ask me a question and buy her merch because it's sexy. Now for the stars of our show and the final polar opposite rising sign pair in the series, Virgo and Pisces Rising. As always, I'll walk you through some information about each sign before we go into what they look like from the lens of the Ascendant. So Virgo and Pisces. These are both mutable signs, so their job is to get us ready for a change of season. In the Northern Hemisphere, Virgo season happens in the late summer, when it's dawned on us that the long, warm days are ending, and it's time to get organized and buckled down, especially if you're a student in that environment. It's back to work, back to school vibes. It's also about preparing for harvest season, which comes next with Libra. Pisces season comes at the end of winter and it helps us make the transition to spring. We are creeping towards longer days of light. In some places, the frost begins to melt and dormant life starts its subterranean process of waking up again. But it's volatile. One day it feels like spring and the next it's raining calicos and corgis. Yes, I had a good time thinking of that one. <laughs> I guess we can be grateful in Pisces season that we've made it through the worst of winter and we prepare to plant the seeds that we'll harvest in the fall. Although they're both mutable signs, which means that they're adaptable, flexible, good at getting things done, they go through their experience of life in really different ways. Virgo's element is earth, meaning that it experiences life through its senses and material reality. Its feet are firmly planted in this world and it's all about cultivating their life in the here and the now. Pisces, on the other hand, is a water sign. It experiences its life through feelings, deep connections, empathizing with others. Pisces is much less attached to this world and can be often found somewhere in their mind. The houses that these signs rule teach us more about how they differ and relate. Virgo rules the sixth and Pisces rules the twelfth house. The sixth house, like Virgo, is concerned with material daily routines that keep our lives going, that contribute to our physical health and well-being. We spend a lot of time in our day engaged in our habits, chores, errands, taking care of our bodies, daily work, not like your career path, but what pays your bills day to day. And that all lives in the sixth house. It's also the house of helping people and providing meaningful service. Virgo is all about meaningful service. You see the connection here? If not, don't worry. I'll go more in depth with Virgo and the sixth house later. For now, let's turn to the 12th house. This watery Pisces world house is about our inner spiritual world and mental health. It's also <clears throat> about hidden things like secrets, insecurities, and the closet where you throw all the shit that you don't want to see in your apartment. I just cleaned mine out. So my 12th house, um, my physical manifestation of my 12th house, looking good right now. Um, it's about our unconscious mind, and that's always hard at work without, without our knowing. The last of the houses, the 12th house also represents endings, how you personally relax and retreat after a hard day's work so you can get up and do it again tomorrow. This house, like Pisces, knows no boundaries. 
and describes our style of empathy and compassion. More about those later. The key takeaway here is that these houses are about the strategies we use to live out service to others and to ourselves. Before we get into the nerdy dirty details of what Virgo rising looks like, let me introduce you to Virgo as a sign in general. As we know, Virgo's a mutable earth sign. It rules the sixth house. Its archetype is the servant, which reflects this theme of meaningful service that we talked about earlier. In traditional, aka ancient Hellenistic astrology, the sixth house was called the house of servants because it has to do with the things that rich people didn't want to have to deal with, so they made their servants do it. Some people do have the privilege to hire nannies and cleaners and cooks, but for the most part, we do that day-to-day shit ourselves, or we lean on our families and communities for support in these areas. The Virgos in your life might be the first to offer this type of support because it's what they do best, being of service and getting shit done well. Yes, Virgo may love cleaning, organizing, color coding, getting their lunchbox ready the night before. Who does that? Just kidding. I did that one time. But there's more to them than that. At the heart of Virgo, (laughs) there is a desire to express their sharp capabilities in a way that involves serving other people. A materialistic earth sign, it's wired to get to work and finish things in the ways that mutable signs know how to do. It's also really good at dissecting the little details of things, and because of that, it's skilled at perceiving flaws or weak spots in a plan or a system. A happy Virgo can be found in a work-related situation that's valuable to them, where they receive affirmation for their hard and exacting efforts. This boosts their work ethic and then makes them a valuable part of any team. A sad Virgo, who's not recognized for the helpful work they do, or whose day-to-day job just doesn't fill this need for meaning, could become a mad Virgo and harshen its critical, analytic tendencies. A mad Virgo is prone to over-criticizing themselves and others, and never feeling like anything is enough. There's a certain anxiety that I've seen can come out with Virgo, Virgo and people who have a lot of Virgo in their chart. Um, I see it when it's not working at its best, it looks like an anxiety about not feeling good enough or perfect enough. Either it's an eternal thing or it's projected outwardly onto the people around them. So no one is ever good enough for them. They are perfect and everyone else isn't. Um, But this is just a Virgo who's not getting their needs met, right? And they need to find a sense of routine and purpose in their daily life to stop being so grumpy. (laughs) You know who you are. He's not listening to this podcast, bro. I'm sorry. I'm so silly today. I'm so excited. Let's talk about Virgo rising. So Virgo rising. I feel very qualified to talk about them because they're so abundant in my life. Uh, my theory is that because I have Venus in as my chart ruler and my Venus is in Virgo and your Venus can represent the kinds of relationships that you attract. Which so makes sense why I have so many Virgos. Moving on. Virgo risings are driven by the desire to demonstrate their capabilities in ways that serve others, materially and practically. It's important for them to achieve things in the physical world, but unlike fellow Earth sign Capricorn, who yearns to achieve big things over a long period of time, 
Virgo Rising gets the same amount of joy from completing a little task for someone, like taking notes at a meeting or folding laundry. Like fellow mutable, Mercury-ruled sign Gemini, Virgo loves information. But they take it a step further from just collecting and disseminating the information. They will naturally analyze, assess, and critique the information that they take in. They perceive things in extremely HD, high definition. <laughs> Why did I say HD? I wrote out high definition. <laughs> they see things in HD, and so they can see each and every detail and flaw. So yeah, Virgo Risings are critical, and yeah, that's a blessing and a curse. But if I were an astronaut, I would want to make sure I have several Virgo Risings working on my spaceship. They get shit done right, like I said. Um, the downside of the talent for this critical thought is that they can get nitpicky of others and themselves. So now we know about Virgo Rising. Also, I'll mention that Virgo's ruler is Mercury, the planet of intellect and communication. Mercury also rules the nervous system, which directly connects to the anxieties that Virgos may face, whether clinical or just general anxieties about life or themselves. As we know, Mercury is also the ruler of Gemini, but it functions differently with Virgo. Because Gemini is associated with the house of communication, the third house, um, learning and immediate surroundings, and because it's an air sign, Mercury stimulates Gemini's zippiness, imagination, curiosity, and sociality. With Virgo being associated with the sixth, and as an earth sign, a house that's about routine, repetitiveness, taking care of things, Mercury acts as a stimulator for Virgo's qualities of thoroughness, flexibility, and willingness to act in service. Alright, some of you know what time it is. What time is it? It's chart analysis time! Uh, yeah, so as always, I'll be doing a mini abbreviated chart analysis just of the rising sign and basically I'm just kind of narrowing it down at this point to looking at the chart ruler because there's just too much to assess if I go further than that. So today we are looking at my amazingly talented and kind friend Vanessa's chart. Vane is a Virgo rising, Pisces sun, and a fellow Capricorn moon. I just want to say Vane is very, 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 very Virgo rising to me and her chart reflects that. I know her as both a best friend and as a colleague and coworker, going back to a few years ago when she directed a show that I stage managed at Second City here in Chicago. What a nice summer that was. It was a summer right before the pandemic. Picture it. You're 27 or however old I was. You love comedy. You get to stage manage a show at Second City and it sells out eight weeks in a row or something like that. That was a good time. And then the pandemic happened, bro. Nah, not good shit. Okay. After that trip back in time, I, what I'm trying to get at is Van is a Virgo rising. <laughs> um, so as we do, let's begin with a bird's eye view of the elements and modalities in Vanessa's chart. She has five planets and points in earth signs, two in air, six in water, and zero in fire super watery and earthy with the personal planets split between earth and water except for mercury who's hanging out in aquarius modalities wise she has seven mutable planets three fixed and three cardinal 
We're dealing with a very flexible, adaptable person who's good at getting shit done with a balanced dose of man managerial and initiatory energy. What all of this tells me is that she feels things very strongly, but stays rooted in the material realm and the mental realm to the extent of like communication things. So next we're gonna look at if there are any planets in the first house and there we find Chiron. I've talked about Chiron in the first house. Um, well, I've talked about Chiron and Chiron in the first house in um, a previous episode, the episode about Leo and Aquarius. The Leo rising chart example had Chiron in the first house too. So if you have that aspect in your chart and you want to learn more about it, you should go check that one out too. I think more info is always good. Basically, Chiron is the deep wounds that you have the potential to heal in yourself and then in other people. And having it in your first house makes that wound most active in your house of self, identity, and your body. People with this placement might deal with issues that correspond to the sign that it's in. In this case, we have Chiron and Virgo, which is the wound of perfectionism. The belief that if it's not perfect, it's not worth doing, also the idea of not good enough or equating being good enough with your self-worth, which it's just not. With this placement, we know that there might be an insecurity around these topics, and we can also see that health issues are even more probable because Virgo is the sign that rules health and it's in the first house of the body. This theme develops even more when we see that her chart ruler Mercury is in the sixth house of daily work, health, and habits. So, let's go to Mercury, the chart ruler. In Aquarius, Mercury is in neutral territory. It's not in its rulership as it is in Gemini and Virgo, but it's also not in its detriment, like in Sagittarius or Pisces. Then is Mercury, the planet of intellect, communication, and your mind, takes on an Aquarian personality. This makes her communication well thought out, logical, and concerned both with the individual and with the group as a whole. She is full of ideas that some people might find extreme or too different, but she always sees the way ahead. In the sixth house, this Mercury infuses itself into Vane's daily work, health, and habits. It likes to get things done and it likes rituals involving communication and intellect. There is a collective aspect to Aquarius, so she might like to incorporate groups at group activities into these rituals or as like part of her self-care. The ruler of the sixth house, Saturn, is in neighboring Pisces in the seventh house, so we can see an added emphasis on relationships as part of the way that she receives and expresses information. This Mercury, Vanessa's chart ruler, is making two aspects to a planet and a point in the chart. First, there is the fact that Mercury is in a conjunction with Mars, and Mars is barely in Pisces at zero degrees, with Mercury again in Aquarius. Mercury is at 23 degrees Aquarius, so this is a pretty wide conjunction, but I'm going to count it still because it's just so obvious in her personality, and yeah. Having a conjunction with a planet in another sign is interesting because not only do the powers of both of the planets fuse together, but the signs kind of also start to like melt together with that kind of conjunction. We have a little Mercury in Aquarius and a little Mars in Pisces party going on here. 
So take everything I just said about Mercury and Aquarius in the sixth and merge it with this Mars, which is in a sensitive, creative sign in a house that's about partnerships. This gives me the vibe that Vanna is really driven to communicate and intellectualize and what drives her the most to do that might be her relationships. She also has a stellium in this Pisces 7th house. So what I'm talking about now just is kind of adding to that already very big part of the chart. The next aspect I'm going to look at is Mercury in Aquarius trine her MC in Gemini in the 10th house. The trine aspect tells us that there are good vibes of flowing between Mercury and the angle in her chart that denotes her higher purpose and calling in life. In her Gemini 10th house, this calling might be achieved through, again, because it's an air sign, communication, relationships, thoughts, and her mind. Her MC in the 10th house means that her higher calling might actually align with her career, status, and public roles. A lot of communication and relationship energy being emphasized here for sure. And the last aspect that this Mercury makes is a square to Pluto in her Scorpio third house. This aspect is going to sound kind of like a bummer compared to everything else I just said, but also the preceding aspects can come in to make this downer aspect into a really powerful and wonderful gift. But how? Well, first of all, Mercury square Pluto is, an, is a tense aspect. The two planets are in different modes and elements, and they just aren't getting along. Pluto in Scorpio is way too emotional and intense for cool and thoughtful Mercury in Aquarius. This aspect could manifest as difficulty with issues of power and authority, or even taking on power and authority. With Mercury involved, it could look like a struggle to speak your mind. Does that mean that Vanessa is doomed to this fate? No, and surely she has not resigned to it. It shows that, it shows that she's worked on this potential challenge of hers, in the way that she expresses her brilliant thoughts very powerfully and confidently. Like when I first met her, I was so afraid of her because I was like, <laughs> I was like, she's so cool and like smart and she knows so much stuff about comedy. And then it turns out she's just so nice. That's the moral of the story. Everyone's nice in the end. That's such a lie. Don't believe that. I'm sorry, y'all. Okay, back to the script. What have we learned about Vanessa's birth chart by analyzing her Virgo Ascendant and Chart Ruler? Well, we have gotten a peek at what kind of Virgo Rising she is. With Chiron in the first house, we know that she has a special potential to heal from body or identity-related issues, which take on Virgo's hypercritical nature. The placement of her Chart Ruler Mercury in her Aquarius 6th house shows us that her thinking and communication style are key to how she lives out her Virgo risingness, and directs our attention to matters of daily work, health, and habits. The aspects to Mercury tells us that A. She's passionate and energetic in her expression. B. Relationships are an important part of how she expresses herself. And C. While there may be challenges or insecurities in terms of speaking her truth, doing so is positively aligned with her higher calling in life, and so pushing through that might just come naturally to her. Isn't it wild how much we can learn from just a couple pieces of the chart? Crazy. Okay, time for our break, and then I'll be back to talk about Pisces and a very special Pisces Rising. Enjoy the tunes. Do you while? 
for myself and my plans Got the world clutch in the palm of It's my like riding down the block No brakes, I can never stop Coffee in me, bike, fast drugs, make it fun There's a whole lot of love out here As I write this, your season has just begun. I am grateful for this transition to longer days, but in Chicago it still very much feels like the dead of winter. It is a nice reminder though that we're like almost kind of barely sort of moving towards spring, <laughs> even though literally it's snowing right now. I guess that's not so weird for February. So we know that Pisces is a mutable water sign. The traditional ruler is Jupiter, and its modern ruler is Neptune. Pisces is the most sensitive, absorbent, imaginative, shape-shifty, chameleon-like sign of the zodiac. Its archetype is the healer. Like water, it can mold itself into whatever container or spread itself widely if left unconstricted. It is most alive in its own inner world, which is different from like living in dreamland, like some people might say about the sign. Yeah, Pisces is about, about dreaming and about hope and endless possibilities, but that's not quite where Pisces goes off in its head. It's actually <clears throat> the most present and in the moment of all the signs. It can see things as they are, as they were, and as they will be. Because Pisces is so attuned to the world, receptive to any and all information it absorbs, it can reach places in its mind that most people can't. This spongy nature extends to emotions, too. It can empathize with others in the purest and deepest sense. It feels what you feel and seems to know what you know. Pisces lives in another dimension of reality, the dimension of consciousness. Meditation, splitting rivers, boba, fucking plants, <laughs> fucking uh, things like that. Those are all Piscean things. How is boba like that? Well, boba is squishy. That's what I got. <laughs> if we think of each sign of the zodiac as a reaction to the sign that precedes it, Pisces reacts to Aquarius's logical, steady-minded concerns by proving that there's no such thing as the right idea, even no such thing as the future, only the right here and now. The material world is not really a concern to Pisces, and sometimes this is its downfall. Since we live in a world that largely values the material, the tangible, and the accumulable, Pisces may have trouble finding its place and accepting its nature. It may also have trouble setting and holding boundaries. If someone, like a parent, squashes its imaginative, <clears throat> absorbent mind with harsh realism, a couple of things could happen. Pisces could lose faith in a key part of itself, the rare strength of being able to see beyond. 
it could become overwhelmed by its sensitivity and try to escape via unhealthy means, whether that's binge-watching TV for too long or doing a bunch of drugs. To each their own, I say. We all do this escapism thing in our own way, but for Pisces, this might be more of like a natural instinct thing to turn to. Now Pisces rising. Pisces risings are super lovely. They have this ethereal, sensitive, kind way about them. They make you feel understood in ways that only water signs can. You could say that Pisces rising is motivated by going with the flow of life, taking in each and every experience to the fullest, while caring for the people around them. With an archetype like the healer, it's important to recognize that healers are only good at healing people because they can understand pain and suffering. Without that understanding, empathy is almost impossible. And you have to kind of experience pain and suffering to really know what it's all about. Pisces Risings have extreme empathy for others because they understand the sad, icky parts of life. But unlike fellow water sign Scorpio, who also shares this trait, but they kind of sit and steep in the intensity of it, Pisces Rising feels called to do something to help soothe the ailment. They can walk into a room and quickly get a sense of how people are feeling just from the energy. They always have a tissue or a band-aid on hand. They are also, they are so empathetic that they might have a hard time distinguishing their own emotions from the feelings of those around them. They're often artists or express appreciation of imagination and creativity in some way, which you can really usually get a sense of through the chart ruler's placement. Pisces risings are ruled by Jupiter and Neptune, like I said before. I'll be focusing more on, on Jupiter, as it's the sign's traditional ruler, and I'm a more traditionally-based astrologer. I do think that Neptune is helpful for thinking about the sign, uh, but we just don't have time for two rulers right now, and I like the traditional ones. As we have learned in previous podcasts, Jupiter is the biggest planet of them all, other than the sun. And it rules over the 60 plus moons that it has like a mini kingdom. In astrology, Jupiter is the planet of expansion, extravagance, vision, and unbridled optimism. In traditional astrology, Jupiter is known as a benefic planet or a friendly planet that bestows blessings. However, every planet has a distorted side. And for Jupiter, its desire for more, more, more is both a strength and a potential weak spot. It can get arrogant and cocky and ignore everyone else, or its kind and generous nature can get it into sticky situations with boundaries. Very Pisces. Nice. Alright, I get to talk about my friends again. Chart analysis time. So my hilarious and brilliant friend Shaquille is a Pisces rising, Sagittarius sun, and Scorpio moon. He has four planets, points in, in water signs, four in fire, three in air, and two in earth. His personal planets are in a mix of water, fire, and air signs. I love this combination of water and fire energy with a little breeze of air. It provides some balance, like bringing a boil down to a gentle simmer. Still, you'll get burnt if you touch it. <laughs> Modalities-wise, he has four planets in cardinal signs, four in fixed signs, and four in mutable. That's really cool, I like the balance of that too. 
Um, and also his personal planets are evenly-ish distributed among all three modalities too. So this gives me the vibes of someone who can be really flexible with the roles that they take on depending on the situation or the vibe, which is also an extremely Piscean trait. So that's cool. I like it. Okay, Shaquille has no planets in his first house, so there's nothing to analyze there. Let's move on to his chart ruler. We are going to look at Jupiter as his chart ruler for this demo. Sorry Neptune, love you babe. One of the reasons I chose to go this way is that Shaquille's chart is a day chart according to sect, which is a traditional ancient astrological technique. It's a day chart because his sun is above the horizon line or like the where the AC ascendant axis, ACDC axis is. Um, if the sun were in the bottom half of the chart, it would be a night chart, basically. According to sect, depending on whether you have a day or a night chart, you get two special planets. A benefic, or a nice planet, and a malefic, or a more challenging planet. These planets have extra power in your chart. For night charts, Venus is the benefic, and Saturn is the malefic. In day charts like this one, Jupiter is the benefic, and Mars is the malefic. So, not only is Jupiter one of Shaquille's chart rulers, but it's also his benefic planet. That tells me to prioritize analyzing Jupiter. Also, he has a Sagittarius stellium, also ruled by Jupiter. And also, <laughs> Shaquille's just so very Jupiterian. He's jovial, buoyant, generous, kind, excessive. These adjectives for the planet apply just as much to Shaquille's personality. You cannot be around him and not crack a smile. Could Shaquille be the living embodiment of Jupiter? Maybe. Let's see. Where is his Jupiter situated? Shaquille has Jupiter in Libra in the 8th house. In Libra, Jupiter is in neutral territory, concerned with issues of fairness, balance, and beauty. The 8th house has to do with transformative experiences like sex, death, rebirth, as well as sharing resources with others, whether through mutual aid, joint bank accounts, handling other people's money, inheritances, debts, and the list goes on. In any chart, Jupiter shows us where a person is blessed, like what kind of gifts um, can be expected in their life, in their personality. In this chart, this is even more true because Jupiter is both his ruler and benefic planet. So, Shaquille gets an extra dose of good luck in the transformation and shared resources department. I think Shaquille would like to also know that this is the house of sex. I think I said that already, but... <laughs> Shaquille, this is the house of sex and you got lucky there, so go for you, buddy. I find it very cool how Shaquille's chart reflects who he is. A very tangible manifestation of his Jupiter in the 8th house comes in his work and career. Shaquille used to work in finance, literally in the business of resources, investments, debts, and other 8th house things. He transitioned to marketing and now works in the business of taking other people's resources and transforming them into even more resources. Capitalism. But also, can be the 8th house. <laughs> Jupiter makes three aspects in this chart, each of which affects how it's going to express itself in Shaquille's life. First, I love this aspect, bro. 
Okay. First, Jupiter makes a strong trine to Venus and Saturn, who are conjunct in his Aquarius 12th house. First, let's think about the fact that he has Venus conjunct Saturn. This conjunction can be both wonderful and challenging. When planets are conjunct, they combine and influence each other to create their own vibe. Venus, planet of love, harmony, relationships, and values, fuses with Saturn, the rigid planet of boundaries, structure, order, and authority. This gives me the vibes of someone who takes their relationships super seriously and who's willing to do the work required to create something stable and long-lasting. Saturn can also be a downer though, bringing feelings of isolation and insecurity to the planet that it touches. So this also gives me the vibes of a potential for feeling lonely, unsupported, and misunderstood in relationships. However, Saturn is in its rulership in Aries, so we might see its more positive qualities come out more than the downer ones, you know? And this conjunction is in his Aquarius 12th house. As we learned in the earlier chart demo, Aquarius is thoughtful, relational, and super innovative. I also talked about how the 12th house is a very solitary house. It's what happens behind the scenes of our lives, how we take care of ourselves mentally and spiritually, and where we go to rest and retreat. So there's an interesting contradiction here around relationships versus solitude and loneliness. Unfortunately, this is another point for loneliness vibes. But then again, Saturn may cause less issues here because it's in its domicile. This also, this gives me the vibes that like, maybe there's a desire to be alone or like a comfort with being alone um, and maybe enjoying being alone at home together and like not out in the world if he's in a relationship with someone. So, now we get to the trine from Jupiter. This is the part that really brings the sparkle to this aspect. Jupiter is bestowing blessings and good vibes from over in the 8th house, imbuing the Venus-Saturn conjunction with positivity and loveliness. His 8th house Libra, which echoes the relationship vibes that Venus and Aquarius brings to the party. The 8th-12th house dynamic is interesting because these are both water houses, aka houses associated with water signs. The water signs, the 4th, 8th, and 12th, all have to do with inner aspects of our life. They affect us on a deeper soul level, and they're harder to take control over because they're part of our subconscious self. Uh, so if you think about like the 4th house, it's your your home, your family, your foundations. Um, the 8th house, transformation, rebirth, sex, 12th house, behind the scenes things. They're even hard to explain. So the water houses are kind of like a felt experience. Uh, so basically this trine gives me the vibe that Shaquille has a gift for building strong, lasting relationships that are mutually beneficial and transform both people. This makes a lot of sense to me as one of his best friends in the whole entire world. Wait a minute, maybe this trine is what makes him help everyone feel like they're the best friend in the world. <gasps> Damn it, Jupiter! Good for you, Shaquille, I guess. Keep breaking hearts out there, buddy. Second, second aspect. Jupiter sextiles Mercury in his Sagittarius 8th house. Sagittarius 10th house, my bad. His Sun, MC, and North Node are all in this Sagittarius 10th house, telling us it's an important one. 
Sextiles are positive little booths that are at our disposal if recognized. To be brief, since that first aspect was a doozy, this tells me that Shaquille is a smarty pants who is good with words, ideas, and big plans. Which is a fact. He beat me at Scrabble once, and I think I'm pretty good at Scrabble. Another important piece of this is the work and career example I brought up earlier. This shows a direct link between his abundant 8th house and the way he communicates his ideas in his career and public roles. Obviously, Shaquille is making this sextile work to his benefit. Last but not least, <clears throat> Jupiter squares Uranus and Neptune, who are conjunct in his Capricorn 11th house. Everyone born within a certain amount of years of Shaquille will have this Uranus-Neptune conjunction because they move so slowly. So what's most important on an individual level is the house that it falls in. Uranus and Neptune together equal a quirky dreaminess, an ability to think and create in really, truly inspired ways. In his 11th house, his chart brings this combo to the realm of like-minded friends and groups, the future and who you decide to build it with. In Capricorn, this is executed in a structured and goal-oriented way. A square between these planets and Jupiter tells me that there's disharmony between his t natural tendency to go big in the 8th house department and his other natural tendency to be a big imaginative weirdo in groups with like-minded people. I'm definitely not interpreting this to its fullest right now, because that would require Shaquille to be here to answer some questions. Imagine if Shaquille was here? Honestly, we would be hilarious co-hosts together. In a parallel universe, Shaquille and I host Astro Vibes, a podcast about asses that are out of this world. Sorry, it was so hard to say <laughs> without laughing. Astro Vibes, a podcast about asses that are out of this world. I got a little carried away there. Time to summarize what we've learned and bring us on home. This analysis has provided us with some really interesting information about Shaquille's Pisces rising. His chart ruler, Jupiter, steers his sensitive, dreamy, soothing motivations for life towards 8th house things, making things like transformations, rebirths, and shared resources the key part of how he lives out his rising sign. The aspects that Jupiter makes gives us more details to the story by revealing themes around strong relationship building skills, strong mental and thinking capacities, and also a little inner tension because of that elusive Uranus-Neptune square. What a wonderful human. I bet he's still laughing at that Astro Vibes joke. Thank you for letting me use you. <laughs> Sorry, I'll say that again. Thank you for letting me use you as an example on the show. I appreciate it, Shaquille. Ta-da! The end of our Rising Sign series. It's been a blast getting to tell you astrology things again. And I think you can tell that I'm really excited to be back in this space together. I hope the Ascendant series gave you a good foundation of knowledge about the signs of the zodiac and what they might look like as rising signs. Also, now you know where to look to get more information about how the Ascendant manifests. You are so smart. Don't forget to check out the new Astro Vibes page on ambientvibesmusic.com. Book a reading, get yourself some hot merch, ask me a question, etc. With that, this has been Astro Vibes, a podcast where I have gotten down to the nerdy dirty details of this ancient language 
with the help of Bennett and Shaquille's birth charts. Maybe next time, it'll be about you. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.